Um, so great having everybody here joining us right now. People who are with me in the room, God bless you. Those who are joining us online um, right now, uh, it's a great time to be in God's presence. Hey, listen, man, God's presence is the best place to be. All right, um, I have a little confession before I go into my sermon. I promise you today is going to be fast, quick, and short, and concise, because of what I have for us today is not a sermon, it's a word of exhortation. Everybody say exhortation. Exhortation. Amen. Um, today I've come to exhort us in God's word. But before I come here, I have to say this. Um, how do I put this that you would be able to understand? It? Okay, it's like this. Um, do you know that... We, it, 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 let me say this way, let me start from it. It is okay to have a bad day. Do you agree with me? That it is, it's not just okay, it's normal. It's, when I say normal, normal really, the way we define normal in this world is common to everyone. Yes. It is common to everyone to have a bad day and to have a good day. But just because we have a bad day does not mean we, are, we have a bad God. Sure. Now, these are two polar opposites, two distinct um, uh, uh, differences or delineations I'm making, right? Doesn't make sense. I'm telling you about how God, the fact that we have a good, bad day does not mean we have a bad God. But do you know that as much as you're probably not thinking, of course, the, of course, the, uh, a bad day does not equal a bad God. But we say this with our mouths, but in our minds, I'm, I'm forced to ask us the question, do we really believe that? Because some of us, when we go through bad days, whoo, God puts our microphone on mute because we are cussing every minute. It's like we are insulting God <clears throat> and all the angels in heaven. We're insulting our fathers and mothers. Like, ah, if my dad had not. Like, you, we are literally going off and doing everything and saying anything, everything. And God has to put our microphone on mute. It's like, I will not get offended by this child. Let's put, this, put our camera, uh, put our microphone on mute. Just let us see the visuals. And the visuals is like, you just going, ah, ah, kicking everything around the house. Like, screaming, ah, right? And God's there, like, yep, yeah, I don't want to hear it. But I can see it, right? Of course, I've got, I know God hears it. It's not irritated by our complaints, to be honest. Um, no, it's not irritated by us being real. But sometimes our being real, in, or in a bit to be real, sometimes we, we get so entangled with being real that what, all we are really trying to do is be so lazy, we never actually get up to fix things. Mm -hmm. But that's not even the point I'm trying to make. If we all agree that because I have a bad day, it does not mean I have a bad God. Why is it... Why, why is it that though we find that to be a true statement, we find it to not be so as true in our minds as we process or go through bad times and seasons. I feel me in our church. Why is it that we don't always we don't always go into our day, bad day, saying, Well, it's a bad day, but it's a good God? Why don't you always do that? I mean you can do that on Monday, right? It's a, it's a bad day, but it's a good God. Tuesday, it's a bad day. It's another bad day, it's a good God. Wednesday, it's another bad day. I don't know why there isn't three bad days in a row, but I believe in God is still good, right? And on Thursday, it's like, dang, man, God, are you good? Please show me your goodness, God. On Friday, it's like, ah, God, I know you're good. Please help me. <laughs> and Saturday, F you, God. I'm, to be honest, I don't even care. And I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying, no, nah, I'm not. This is someone's like, oh, my God. He just, he's the F word. No, I'm talking about like, God, forget you, God. That's what I said. That's what I meant. Forget you, God. Right? But for real, right? We, when we, when we juxtapose, right? This different opinions. That's a statement versus, uh, okay, let me say this way. The reality of a statement, right? Over, when it's juxtaposed, that is placed in opposite direction with the reality of a thing. We find it to be... 
a conflict. We find there to be a conflict in the middle. That is what we say versus what we experience. Right? I mean, we're in church. I'm going to go to the word verse. I promise you, it's not like this is just me talking for the next 30 hours. Right? <clears throat> but it's like this, right? If you've been in church or you've been around people who go to church, you must have known the same thing, right? Church, I want you to be responsive. My physical audience, guys, be responsive. God is good. All the time. All the time? You must have heard it before, right? God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. We say this. We say God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. But do you always feel he's good on Wednesday? Or do you only feel he's good when the pastor asks you to say it on Sunday? Some of us, God is good up until the time we feel like he isn't anymore. Does it make sense, everybody? We, we, we say God is good and he is good. Not, this is not a fact that we are, that we are willing to even um, try to fight, right? And I, I describe this thing, right? Most of us, what we, the, the reasons we cannot fight certain truths is because, we, 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 okay, so okay, let me say this way. Whenever we do not want to accept the reality of a thing, we only, we, we switch into defense mode, defensive mode. What am I, what do I mean? If someone comes to you and says God is not good, the first thing you, you do is get defensive about it. Why do you say that? What do you think? And you're, you're, all, you're, all that's in your mind, your mission in your mind right now is to try to, it's, it's trying to understand why, he, why no, it's, it's trying to make you understand that his um, statement is false. Doesn't make sense. All that's, all, all that's in your mind. It's like, I'm just trying to make sure I, I, I learn my statements and facts right and properly so I can make him know that what he thinks is about God is not right. Which there's nothing wrong about it. Only that you're in defense mode. Because then if you went through the same thing that brother is going through, you'll probably even be saying worse. <laughs> Are you following me now? And so we get defensive of sometimes, or sometimes of things we really don't understand. We get defensive. It's not just even in talking about God. Even in things, right? Some people are going... Some, I, I've heard of people who are abuse victims. I've been abused... Who's been abused... People who are, who are abused by close relatives. For example, they have parents. Maybe not even sexual abuse. Maybe it's an emotional abuse. Maybe it's a physical abuse, right? And then if you come to them and say your parents are bad, they get defensive immediately. Mm-hmm. Or, or parents are bad people. They get defensive. Why, why do they get defensive? It's not, it's, not, it's not that they do not... It's not that they do not have something in them that relates to that. It's that they have, they have, they have chosen to ignore the reality of that statement compared to the reality of the truth. Sure. I follow me now? Yes, sir. Now, nowhere in this am I saying that God is bad or evil. But what I'm trying to say is, if you really stand in some positions in time, a thing inside of you calls, a well inside of you, I call the well of reason, right? Starts to try to put one plus one together. And it's like, they're not sowing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God is good. I pray, I tithe, I fast, I do all of this. But I still go through some of the worst things. I follow me now. And these things become depressing and it places pressure in our minds. Especially for those of us Christians who, like I said, we get defensive. We have what we call an internal war. It's a war where I refuse to say with my mouth, but I'm thinking it's in my mind. Mm-hmm. You get it? I refuse to say the truth that God, I don't, I don't feel like you are being fair right now. But in your mind, you are, being, you are saying every word to God that you cannot even say to your pastor. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can talk, talk about pastor. You can even say that to your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend or parents or even kids. 
You're saying things in your mind you cannot really see on the outside. Am, 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 am I being real right now? Mm -hmm. Can you be real? We say all these things in our mind, right? And we don't just want to say it outside because somehow we feel like if we say it on, if we say it with our mouths, we are confirming our thoughts. And there is some, some there is some elements of truth in that. But what I'm trying to say is that do not pass off, push over the struggle of of the reality of a thing in your mind as 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 though it does not exist. Does it make sense? Let's not let's stop as Christians. Let's stop pushing things over and just slapping a God is good all the time label on everything, right? And it's just on the outside you do that. On the in, on the inside there's a conflict. Right, instead, I would rather we, we believe from the inside that we then we declare on the outside. Are you following me, everybody? Now, um, my mind goes to or my spirit, right? Actually, goes to the book of Second Corinthians. If you have your Bibles now, you might want to join me in your Bibles. Book of Second Corinthians, chapter 4. Second Corinthians, chapter 4, and in verse 8. I, I read Second, Second Corinthians, chapter 4, and in verse 8, I read it. It says this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I love Paul, right? Paul is an amazing dude. This is him writing here to the church in Corinth. And he's relating to the church in Corinth of the, the present struggles he and his fellow missionary brothers are, are facing and an encountering. This is the struggle they faced in Antioch where he got stoned to he got stoned so much so he died and he got and God resurrected him on the spot. He went through so much struggles and so much pain. But at some point he told he told Timothy at the latter part of his at the latter end of his life in the book of Second Timothy, I believe chapter was it chapter three or chapter four now? Tell Timothy he said, Hey listen Alexander the copper the, the, the coppersmith did me so great so so great harm so great deal a great deal of harm he, he's telling so it, it, we find Paul writing this letter to the church in Corinth encouraging them telling them of what he is going through are you follow me now he's not Paul is not doing what we do it in, in 21st century church he's not doing this thing where it's like God is good all the time believe that claim it name it he's not doing that what do we find Paul doing Telling them, hey, listen, guys, let me bring you in closer on some of the things that you're, your father and the Lord, the person you call your apostle, some, the person you call your best spiritual friend, the person you call your mentor. Let me bring you in to what he's going through. And he says, hey, listen, I have been hard pressed on every side. You know what it means to be hard pressed on every side? It's opposition from every angle. Have you felt like that of late? Where you felt like, you are being pressed on every side. It's like even your friends desert you. Places that you expected help and hope from have left you alone. They cut you off. And now you feel like you're in this season where it's like the pressure is not just You see, it's one thing if the pressure is from one side. It's another thing if the pressure is from everywhere. Are you following me now? It's like everywhere you look, everywhere I look around, everywhere I turn to. Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it the news? Oh, there is bad news there. Is it... Is it um, is it uh the media? Oh, there's bad news in the media. Everywhere I turn to, I find something there that's not pleasurable. Amen. Now, now, what am I saying? Paul is telling people, "Hey, listen, I've been hard pressed on every side." Is this making sense, everybody? He's not. He's not here saying, "Hey, listen, ah, man." Oh, oh, oh you know, some people, the the, what, the the way we imagine encouragement sometimes is number one two things number one 
when people talk about encouraging other people, is this is foolish thing people do. This is not just Christians do this. People do it a lot. First thing is when they try to minimize what you are going through by comparing it with what they've gone through. Right? You say yeah, things like this. What have you what have you seen? I got into the belly of the beast. I defeated the 666 devil beast. And it's like, what the shut your mouth, brother? You're not the one who experienced what I went experienced the other day. If you with me now. The other day, I, I, we're in this therapy session, this group, and one of them talked, talked about how she was just in a very bad place. And, and, and I was like, okay, what's, what's going on? And then she said she was at a particular place of meeting when she, when uh, I think she, she contacted the person she went to meet at this office, excuse me, um, told her to wait outside. She'll be back. She'll be there in a minute. And then... The lady kept her waiting because it, and then it started to rain and then this lady that was that was that went to meet this other person had to wait outside the building standing in the rain for about 30 minutes to an hour drenched and soaked and she was pissed she was mad and when the lady came she gave the lady a piece of her mind how many of you are like, like show of hands christians if you're the kind of person who would give someone a piece of your mind when they really don't do you well right it's like i'm gonna tell you what you did to me exactly what you did to me right <laughs> now imagine trying to tell this person encourage this person what would you say you went through the rain me do you know what happened to me i was in the rain i was i got beaten by the rain i was in the sun i got beaten by the sun and you know our parents do this a lot our parents are probably the, the ones that do this the most, right? Your parents say, what are, what are you going through in school? What, what are you going through? What, what, what are you doing? Oh, when, I, when, when I nearly got married. This and this and this and that. And they, rather than trying to encourage you, or in a B to encourage you, they try to minimize, sorry, minimize rather. My bad, English gets complicated sometimes. They try to minimize what you are, what you are going through in the moment by comparing to what they went through. But here's the thing, mom. Here's the thing, dad. Here's the thing, friend. It's different. Because number one, Here's the biggest difference. It was happened January or December the 5th, 1998. This is happening June the 8th, 2023. The date is the first difference. Right? Number one, talk about the president that was then is different from the president that was now. The economic difference is there. Like, there's so much difference. So this is not so let's let's uh, let's quit this thing, Christians, where we try to minimize another person's pain just to get to encourage them. No, we're not doing that. What we're doing is adding, adding salt to their wounds because we are calling them stupid for feeling a certain way when we we actually feel worse if we actually if we go through what they are going through in the moment. Doesn't make sense now. Well, you make people feel stupid when you do that. When you make people feel like, oh, what are you going through? I've gone through worse. You should not be. You should pick up your, you know, pick, pick yourself back up. And you know, the, the, the narrative was told to, to boys growing up. Don't cry. Boys, don't cry. You, can, you should not cry. You know, get up. You're supposed to be a man. And now, you are not, not, not just passing over a, an idea of strong, right? Or strength. You're now also passing over the same traumas that you were having, that you had, and you never got the chance to deal with. Mm-hmm. Just now, you're just giving your child an open, an open check. Go, my son, go and build so much trauma in your life. Are you following me now? Mm-hmm. Now, and that's the first thing people do when it comes to encouragement. The second thing people do when it comes to encouraging other people is this. They become selfish. What I mean is they do not see the other person. And when they try to encourage you, they say stuff like, I have been a... I've been dash, I've been this, I've been that, I've been this. And they try to use that to encourage you. And it works sometimes, genuinely it works. But I want us to quit that and pick up 
Paul's perspective of struggles. Are you following me now? Look at what Paul says in verse 8. He says this. We are hard pressed on every side. Now, pay attention to the tense here. He says we are. It's not we were. Many, even right now as I'm writing this letter to you to encourage you, I am still, going, I am still struggling with this. And then he uses the, he uses the pronoun we. I know like, we, live in the, we live in the pronoun world, but trust me, that's not the kind of problem I'm talking about. I'm talking about pronouns like we are, right? <laughs> when I say they, I mean a lot of people, not, right? <laughs> when I say them, I mean like people, not person, right? Amen. Church, do we understand? Okay, for real now. Paul says we are hard pressed on every side. And he's saying, he's here saying, not just me. But I got people around me as well who are going through as much struggles. I got disciples around me. People who we are in this struggle together. People who, you get what I'm saying? I'm not the only one who's been coughed and jailed and flogged every day. Are you following me? But not only is he saying, just, it's not just me. He's also saying, I know you're going through the same thing as well. We are hard pressed on every side. Are you following me now, church? You know the best, the best kind of revelation that any pastor could ever have? Is realizing that people are going through the same struggles he is. And that he's been sent there as a voice by God to tell them that there's still strength for us in the moment. Mm-hmm. Are you following me now? Paul tells the church in Corinth, he says, We are hard pressed on every side. But look at what he says. But not crushed. Do you know that sometimes the greatest, the greatest testimony you would have? Out of certain situations and, and uh, times and battles, is, is the, the, the greatest testimony you would ever have in that time is not a God did it for me thing. Sometimes it's just a God saw me through it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had moments like that? I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't even know how I'm standing here. Mm-hmm. I never thought I could make it. I've had times where you, you grew hungry and you're not fasting. It's not like you're, you're staying away from food. No, 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 no. Food stayed away from you. <laughs> right? And you never thought you could make it. And someone asks you at the end of the day, how are you doing? Or the following day, how are you doing? You're like, I survived. Have you had dark times where you cried yourself to sleep every, every night, every night, upon night, upon night, upon night, upon night, and people wonder, and you doubt if you, you doubt your, you doubt, you doubt that if you could even make it through seasons. Well, look at you right now. I follow me now. See, sometimes the biggest, we're looking for joy, the joy of God did, like the Jekyll's song, right? God did. But for real, forget, you, you need to understand, sometimes God did, it's not always the big car at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel is not a big car or a big mansion. Sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel is that you still have hope. I still have hope. I am still breathing. I can still go on. Though I might have, I might walk with a limp, but listen, I don't, I don't, I don't stop. I'm walking with a limp right now. I know God will heal me as I keep going forward. Mm-hmm. Are you following me now? Have you had times like that where you felt pressed? Depressed? Oppressed? Distressed? But somehow, you were not crushed. You kept moving forward. Are you following me now, somebody? Yes, somebody probably listening to me now is like, Pastor Mano, the truth is, I'm not doing a good job. Truth is, I have doubted God. Truth is, I have doubted myself. Truth is, I even I have even given up. Hey, listen, let me tell you the truth. There's a man in the Bible who actually an entire book was dedicated to. 
And his book comes right before the book of Psalms. And you know what his name is? What that one thing you don't have? A job. His name is Job, actually. <laughs> right? And Job goes to the worst of the worst. Job goes through the worst of the worst. And one day he lost all his sons and daughters and all his sheep. And one day he lost all of it. And his friends, best friends, came to him and told him one thing. You know what they all said? Definitely you have sinned. But Job had no, Job had no sin. Job did not do anything wrong. Matter of fact, the devil wanted to tempt him. God was trying to test him. Hey, follow me now. Because sometimes, let me tell you something. I talked about, talked about fire last week. Let me tell you something. When God puts us through the refining fire, the enemy sees that as temptation, but God sees it as testing. The only way you test the durability of a particular product is you put it under what? The test. The only way your faith grows stronger is if, it, if, it is go, if, it, if, it is, if it goes through a test. Are you following me now? If your faith is only supposed to grow on candy sermons, you will not even survive the first day in the wilderness. And what is the, I mean, this is like Christian terms, right? Where you hear all these kind of Christian terms in churches, like wilderness season, I mean a season, right? So what are you saying? There are only four seasons I know, right? If you're in Nigeria, that's just Amatan, raining season, dry season, that's even three seasons, right? But this is what a wilderness season is. A wilderness season is a season of dryness, of no answer, of limited strength. Everybody say limited strength. Limited strength. Now, I, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be real with y'all. I feel like I'm in that season right now. Where I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But here's, at this point right now, I need Christ to strengthen me more. Because I'm telling you, if I use all the strength Christ gave me to do things, I would lose, I would lose both the things and myself doing it. If I, if, I, if I use all the strength Christ gives me to preach a sermon to, every, to you every Sunday, and every week I repeat the cycle of, that cycle where it's like, it's, it's, it's poor hope, it's sick hope, right? Where the only thing, every, every Monday, I'm like, God, I'm looking on to Sunday. Because that's the only time I get hope. Or that's the only time I share hope. That's the only time I can be hopeful. If I do that, if I live like that, I'm giving all the strength that God gives me into just preaching a 30, 45 minute sermon to you. And I'm, at the end of the day, I would stop doing that and I would lose myself as well. Are you following me now? And so I do, I believe God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I really need him to strengthen me more to even be able to believe that I can do things. Are you following me now, church? Paul says, we had pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. You see, this is one part, one area that I fight with Christians, but I have an aunt um, who I remember staying with her a couple years back. We still spoke recently, actually. And this is my aunt. Whenever food stuff finished in the house, this is what they say. This is genuine. This is what they say. They say um, something like this. I, I can't remember your word for word, to be honest, because now as I think about it, it's butchered. My mic has been long. It's something like this. Uh, something like um, the oil. We have oil. Something like that. It's, it's, it's a code word. They, we have oil. They, they use the... Uh, they, they say the, the they say they try to describe the negative by using the positive to say 
And the thing makes me laugh, honestly, because I'm like, would y'all be real with yourself? You don't have oil in your house. Don't say we have oil. No, you don't. <laughs> right? Because they're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Imagine being around an unbeliever, someone who does, who's never been to church. And like, I was like, do you have money? He's like, I have money in Jesus' name. <laughs> All right, let's, let's order an Uber. I order an Uber, pay. I said, I have money in Jesus' name. Yeah, pay the Uber driver. I have money in Jesus' name. That's a prophecy, brother. First of all, I'm not even a Christian. Why would you, right? We, 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 sometimes we Christians, we push people away with just by all these cliches we use. But listen to this. Paul says we are perplexed but not in despair. You know what it means to be perplexed? Concerned. See, there's a thin line between worry and concern. There's a thin line between it. It's, it's almost, they have similarities and similitudes and all that. But there's a thin line between worry and concern. Worry is what God doesn't want you to do. Right? Look at what it says in Thessalonians. It says, do not worry about anything. Pray about everything. That's in the book of 2 Thessalonians, right? Do not worry about anything. Pray about everything. Right? So God does not want us to worry. Because worry, like one pastor once said, he said, worry is a waste of your imagination. Because mm. all you're doing right now is thinking of 700 ways how you can get money. Or why if you had not spent the last 2,000 naira that you had two days ago, you would not be broken right now. You're worrying and you're wasting your time worrying. Because that 2,000 naira you can't have back. Two days ago you can't have back. And if you had that 2,000 naira right now, you probably will still do the same thing you did two days ago with it. Today. Are you following me, everybody? And so God doesn't want us to worry because worry, worry, worry magnifies our problem above God. Worry magnifies the impossibility above God's, God's in, uh, in, immeasurable uh, 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 strength and power to make things happen. Right? Worry magnifies the, the no someone has said over the yes God tells you every day. Mm-hmm. Worry magnifies who is against you above who stands for you. Worry magnifies what, you never, what, you, what they tell you will never happen over who tells you that all things are possible through him. Worry magnifies things over God. So God doesn't want you worried. But what does it mean to be concerned? I follow me now. And to describe this, you, I'll take you back mentally, right? We don't have to go to open the book because of time, time, because of time. Take you back mentally to when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. It was about to, just a few hours from then, he was going to be crucified and hung up on the cross and he would die for the sins of the entire world. Someone once called Jesus a martyr. I'm like, no, 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 Jesus is not a martyr. He's a savior. A martyr is someone who dies for a cause. Jesus is the cause. Exactly. You follow me now? A martyr dies for a cause. That's why he's not a prophet. He's a, he, a prophet would die for a cause. He's, that's a martyr. But Jesus is not a martyr. He's what? He's the cause himself. He's the savior. Paul is a martyr of the faith because he got killed. He's a martyr of the faith. But Jesus is not. Right? He is the faith. Thank you very much. Jesus is the faith. Doesn't make sense, everybody. And it's what we believe in. We don't believe for. We believe in him. And anyway, he's about to go die on a cross for us. About roughly like 16 hours before then, or maybe even less, we find him in a place where he's hard-pressed and perplexed. The Bible said he was praying so much so that the sweat that he was, that was dripping from his face mixed with the blood, with blood, and he started, his sweat were as blood, meaning that the, he was so, listen, he was in so much anguish that the nerves in his, that is taking blood to his brain, some of them bust open. Are you following me now? Just imagine how much anguish could make the nerves that carry his blood into a man's brain burst open and the blood mixes with the sweat. Jesus went through that. And do you know what he was, what he was praying for? Because at this point, remember, he asked his disciples to wait for him one hour and his disciples slept. 
He said, he said, pray for me just one hour. Let me go out. I'll go there and pray. But you guys stay here and pray for me just one hour. I promise, just one hour, please. But his disciples slept because they were also tired. Have you ever heard like that? Where people, you expect it from people, but the force of nature, like force of fatigue and tiredness is just not, not, not enabling them to be there for you all the time that you need them. You know why it happens like that? Because there's thing, maybe only one person can be for you around the clock. And it's God. I know you love your girl. I know you love your guy. But listen, guys, they cannot because we've got we've all got our personal issues as well. Mm-hmm. Nobody can save you from the traumas God has not saved you from. Nobody can. Not even a therapist. A therapist is only, only exists to help you deal with the face the problems that you're facing. Because I discovered recently, even a therapist needs a therapist. Are <laughs> you following me now? And so we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, bleeding and sweating, praying. And do you know what he's praying for? Let this cup pass me by. Even when Jesus was not ready to drink from the cup he served. Because the Bible says from the foundations of the world, the Lamb had been slain. Many, it was from the beginning of time, God, Jesus knew what was going to, he was going to have to come down from a child to die for the sins of all human, humankind. And so he poured the wine in the cup, but even he was not willing to drink from it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Are you following me now? Have you ever been in, th- in positions, situations you knew what was going to happen, but you do not feel as strong enough to face the same thing God had already shown you before that was going to happen? Are you following me now? You already knew they were going to leave you, and you already knew, you, you know that kind of thing where you said, Never, don't get angry, don't get angry, don't get angry. But you said that as a statement before you got into that season. And now you're in that season, and you're like, God help me not to get angry. Because mm. I said, I said, God taught, taught me this years ago, and it's like this. No matter how prepared you are for a season of distress, you can never be too prepared. Because it would always hit you in places you never even knew you were, you were hurting in. Mm-hmm. I follow me, everybody. Jesus, is tell, Jesus Christ cries out to his father. He says, please let this cup pass me by. I'm not willing to, I'm not ready to drink from this cup. But if I had some, at the point, he surrendered and he said, but not my will, but yours be done. But see, the problem with Christians is this. Not just Christians. People, they like to jump to the, not, you, not my will, but yours be done part. And they try to tell you the same thing. They remember, but remember Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And they try to minimize the fact that Jesus also was the same person who said, let this cup pass me by. Mm-hmm. Are you following me now? We ignore the fact that the Savior of the entire world, who is all by himself God, Bible calls in the book of Colossians chapter 2, says the fullness of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, present in one body. Man, a person who is fully God and fully man, because only God can do that. Right? He's not Hercules. No, this is not some Hercules type of nonsense. No, no, no. He is fully God and fully man. Not a fallen son of a foolish father. That's Zeus and Hercules. No, no, no. This is different. This is God Almighty who has, who has come bodily in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. Are you following me now? Mm-hmm. Saying what? Let this cup pass me by. So even Jesus felt what? Perplexed. But you know what despair means? Despair means to give up on all hope. Are you following me now, guys? Despair simply means giving up on all, on all hope. It's like, it can never happen. I'm going to sit here and drink myself to death. And God's like, what in the world is wrong with you? I understand, what, I understand that it's not you who is speaking. It's the hunger speaking. It's the pain speaking. It's the trauma speaking. But you're just going to give in to it like that? 
Are you following me now? And so despair is a lack, or it's like throwing hope in the way in the in the wind, letting the wind take hope whatever it wants to. Are you following me now? Because of the time, I just rush down and, and finish. Then he said, "We are persecuted but not abandoned." I love that persecuted but not abandoned. It's like we, I am being persecuted for the truth that I stand by. I'm not persecuted. No, because I, I think I believe it was James who said. No, so it was Peter who said. There's a difference between persecution and consequence. This is paraphrase. He didn't say it this way. Because some people, some people do evil and then they punish them for the evil and they say, I'm being persecuted, oh my God. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm being persecuted for the faith. No, you're not. You, you are acting a fool right now. Right? There's a difference between persecution. Persecution is you stood for the right cause. You stood up for wars, right? You stood up for justice. You stood up for the truth. You stood up against evil. And yet you got persecuted for it. Rather than celebrated for you. My sister and I were talking about it yesterday. Rather than being celebrated for good, you see people, people poking at you for, the, for, for, for doing good. I follow me, everybody. Mm-hmm. And that, my dears, is persecution. But since we were persecuted but not abandoned, let me just say this. I know that God is our strength because the Bible says in the book of Luke that after God, Jesus' prayer, that an angel from heaven came and strengthened him. Did not, see, he did not. The angel did not come to deliver him away from the hands of his enemy, or Judas, who was coming in a few minutes. The angel came to what? Strengthen him through it. I feel me now. Sure. But let me tell you something. As much as God is our strength, I want you to know that God has put some people around your life right now. And you are probably wondering, God, where is your face? Right now, I want you to look at those people that God has surrounded you with. Might just be one person, maybe your mom, maybe your kid brother. Maybe that's that one person who always listens to you. Listen, that's the face of God. They're humans. They're imperfect. But that's the face of God. God has put people around you because he knows that you are struggling with people that you can see. How much was in him you cannot see? So you surround you with people who you can see. So you can ultimately understand that there's a God who you might not see who sees you. True. Hey, follow me now. True. And so you are not abandoned. Everybody say, I'm not abandoned. I'm not abandoned. God never leaves his righteous people to suffer. Right? God never listens. He, he never will not even let his children go hungry and starve to death. He's a good, good father. Are you following me now? It says, struck down, but not destroyed. Struck down, but not destroyed. Hey, listen, there, I, I intentionally stand from verse 8. But I want to tell you something. Do you know? It says we, is we are, we are struggling but not destroyed, persecuted but not, persecuted but not abandoned. He said we are perplexed but not in despair. He said we are, what was the first thing he said? We are hard pressed on every side but not crushed. And he keeps saying we are, we are, we are, we are. But do you know who he's referring to? You must have heard this verse so many times, but you never knew this is what, this verses came that we just read, came right after it. It's the same book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and in verse 7. Look what it says this. It says this. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Whew. You know what that means? I love the message translation says this. We have this treasure in earthen jars of clay that is God has put so much, this mystic, magnificent, and just this Wonder. He has put his wonder, not in perfect people, but in imperfect vessels like ourselves, made of clay. And if you know anything about clay, it's that clay is a mixture of sand 
and stones. Are you for me now? Clay is a mixture of what? Sand and stones. And I don't know about you, but we are sands and stones. I am, I am both righteous, and I got some things that I need to make right with God. Are you following me now? I am both blessed and maybe broke. Are you following me now? I am both a miracle and a living mess. Paul calls himself the chief sinner. And so we, we, we are jars of clay. We are people who are mixed with sand and stones. We're imperfect people. But for some reason, God has, this, God has made the decision in his heart to put this treasure in earthen vessels of clay, sands, and stones. Now you follow me, everybody, now. Let me tell you something, right? And as a, as a roundup, you can be, if you I'll say something, I'll say this is a roundup, my sermon. Yeah, you can be, if you thank you. Um, I'm learning one thing about God and about life and about everything that we go through in a daily. And what I'm learning is sometimes we make utterances and statements and based on how we feel in a certain situation and season. Right? Imagine you, you only say, I am tired when you feel tired. And uh, I'm actually learning for the past couple of months now to to ensure I I learn when I learn that I am not tired. I only feel tired, and so I don't say I am tired. Instead, I say I feel tired because I know that it's a feeling I perceive in my body. But the truth of the matter is, I have got some strength inside of me, though I might not find it in that moment. I follow me, everybody. And what I'm trying to tell you, church, is listen. The nation, four prices are up already. Who knows next what is going up? Who knows? And it's affecting everybody. And you, it puts everybody in a certain position and place. I know that you're at you, life. Life sometimes just feels like a storm, and you feel alone, and you feel rejected, you feel abandoned, you feel pressed down, you feel perplexed, and you feel all these things. But I want you to remember that listen, the pots that carries the best vessel, the, the, the best treasure, goes through the hardest fire. Are you following me now? The, we are clay pots, <clears throat> clay pots, right? But do you know that I learned one time about how they made clay pots? You know what I learned? Is that you put a pot, first thing you do is after you do it, there's a, call, there's a, there's a, there's a stage called the, the airing. That's, this is, I think I made it word up. It's, it's where you trap all the air in the pots. You remove, you, you remove all the air in the clay pots so it does not break from the inside. And do you know where you put it? In a furnace. You put sand and stone in the furnace. I follow me now. How, and that's just for earthly clays. But I want you to know, the, the, the pot that carries the greatest treasure goes to the worst flames. That's why, that's, why I love, that's why I love the book of Isaiah so much. And I read this verse and we, we, we round up to, for today. It's been an awesome week. Hey, listen, it keeps getting better. It keeps getting better for us in Jesus' name. But the book of, um, I want to show you what the book of Isaiah to the 43 says. I, I love this verse so much. It's, it's actually the verse I read to my, this is the f- first scripture I memorized growing up. But it actually was, I learned it in Yoruba. Because I had to read it to my grandmother every morning. And I remember every line of it in Yoruba. I, I mean, it was so good. And some years ago, 
I remember I was, I was going through the book of Isaiah. First time I ever read the entire book of Isaiah. I was reading Isaiah chapter 43 one evening. I was sad somehow. And I was reading the book of Isaiah chapter 43. And I, I kept on reading, I kept on reading. I had read to it to like verse 10 or something like that. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Emmanuel, stop. Go back and start reading again. You are in Isaiah 43. You're not here by accident. Everybody say, I'm not here by accident. I'm not here by accident. And I went back and I started reading. And, I, and, I, and the words started coming alive to me. You know what the word says? says but now this is what the Lord says he who created you Jacob I replaced it with my name he who created you Emmanuel he who formed you Israel I put my other name in there told one name right do not fear for I have redeemed you I have summoned you by my name you are mine and you know what I figured out this is actually very funny this is a personal revelation the word you are mine in the in Yoruba is it means to me you are I said it bad because I just switched from English to Yoruba. It's not because I cannot speak Yoruba. So I was like, ah, I knew the pastor could not speak Yoruba. Jesus Christ, fake pastor. No. Um, and do you know what God told me? You have a name. He said, Emmanuel, you have a name. My middle name is. I, I've never even felt proud enough to say this in public. I don't know why, but this is my first time I'm going to say it in public. And uh, do, do whatever you want with it. I have a middle name. My middle name is Yoruba. It's Toluwani. And what that means is God's own. So when I start reading this verse again, the Holy Spirit said, stop, the, stop at that verse that says, you are mine. Then I'm like, oh my God, my name is found in this chapter. Are you following me now? And it says, you are mine. And then the next verses are the words of encouragement I want to leave you with today. Amen. Church, all standing wherever you're listening to me from, this is God's word for us. It says this in verse 2. When you pass through the fires, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, they will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. The flames will not set you ablaze. Listen, you're going through the flames, but they will not burn you. You're going through the waters, but they will not overshadow you. Does not mean you will not feel the cold of the waters or the heat of the flames. But God will not let, the Bible says he will not allow a temptation which is greater than you come over you he will not leave you in the fire to burn he will make you through the fire mold you through the fire you feel like you're in a marine season but God is molding you through it I feel me now church church I want us to be of this one hope and courage today so just bow our heads right now thank you Holy Spirit oh we glorify your name Jesus we thank you for many are the afflictions of the righteous, your word says, but the Lord delivers them out of it all. We thank you for they that rest, they that seek, they that dwell under the secret place of the most, on the secret place of the most, in the secret place of the most, rather, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That I shall say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then he mentions some evils that happen in the day and some that happens at night. And he says, if in all of this, you, God, will be our guide and our shield. Father God, I'm talking to your children right now and they are feeling hard-pressed. God, we feel it on our inside. We felt frustrated. We pointed our fingers at you, God, even though in our minds, maybe not physically. We've blurted some words out that made us feel, mm, I don't think I should have said that about God or about myself. We've got ourselves different names that we know that it's not true to ourselves, but we call ourselves those names out of frustration. We call ourselves stupid. We call ourselves foolish. We call ourselves, oh, I'm just not amount. I, I can, I will not amount to anything. We call ourselves all these names in our minds, God, just because of the frustration of the situation we find ourselves in. We find ourselves in God. But I know one thing, God, is that our condition might change. 
God, I'm praying, God, that our conviction, that is what we believe about you, will never. Amen. God, if we said that you're good, God, I, God I'm praying that, we, your, that your children will be able, and all of us will be able to not just say with our mouths, God, but believe in our hearts, God, that you're good. I'm praying, Father God, that your, your word says to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they that put their trust in him. Oh, the Bible says in the book of Psalms 34, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. He delivered me from all my fears. It says they that look, up, look to him, they say, it says they are, their faces are lighting. They don't bow their heads in shame. And Father God, this is my prayer for all of your children today. Listen to me all over the world right now. Today, live and broadcast or later in the future. Father God, this is my prayer for all of us that are feeling hard-pressed, feeling crushed, God. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you, like you did, send an angel to encourage and strengthen Jesus in that garden of Gethsemane. That's the garden of... Look, this is very interesting. The word Gethsemane, in, in the actual Hebrew, means the place of crushing. Because it was, it was a place where they crushed olive oil. They brought oil out of, out of olives. And that place was, a place that, it was called the place of crushing. And you are in a place of crushing, a season of crushing right now. And you've been feeling everything, every carnal flesh desire inside of you. Telling you to turn back to Egypt, to where the place where there is cucumbers and there is tomatoes. And there's all these cheap things, but you know that you are in slavery to something. You feel every desire in you calling you back to the world that God has saved you from. Calling you back to things that God has saved you from. Because you, and it tells you that, well, back then you felt comfort. Back then you felt this. Back then you had that. But I'm here to encourage you today, telling you that you're in your own place of Gethsemane. The place of crushing. And we have an advocate. A friend. Jesus calls him the comforter. He says, I shall send you the comforter. This is John chapter um, 16, I believe. He says, I shall send you the comforter. He shall, he shall comfort you in every way. He shall teach you all things. He shall bring back to your remembrance everything I have taught you. But one time Jesus called him the spirit of truth. He shall guide you into all truth. What do you need him to be? You, you feel you are facing deceptions. He will be the truth that you need. You feel, you feel, you feel that you, you need comfort. He will be your best friend. Father God, we ask always that you would send our best friend, the Holy Spirit, to encourage us in this season. That we don't stop believing in you. We don't stop praying. We don't stop praising. We don't stop looking to you for strength and grace. And at every point, Father God, I pray for everyone who is in a hard time right now, God. I pray for everyone who is going through life, God. And life is going through them as well. I pray, Father God, for everyone who is in a position, this is shifting season, shifting and sifting. Shifting because no, that season is not permanent. It's, I'm happy in the morning, I'm sad in the afternoon. I'm happy at night, I'm sad in the middle of the night. I'm happy in the morning, I'm sad again in the afternoon. And it's a shifting season. And also it's a shifting season. Because shifting because it is you who is in the shifting. You are, you are taking, out, taking away from us. or You're, you're separating the shaft from this stuff, the substance. You are, you're, you're, you're shaking, you're shifting. And we find ourselves in shifting seasons like this, God. Where it's good one time, it's bad, it's good, it's bad. And it's like, this cadence, this rise and fall of emotions and, and circumstances. But Father God, I pray that though the times be shifting, God, that we cast our eyes on the only figure that is not shifting, not shaking. That we cast our eyes on you, Jesus. Like it says in the book of Psalms, says, I would look up to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Not the hills. The hills are here today, gone tomorrow. The eels are here today, gone tomorrow, but our God never changes, never fails, and never stops being faithful. So God, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will be our strength when, when our physical strength runs out. When we feel the 
reluctance to pray, to seek your face, to even read our Bibles, whatever it is, to draw near to you. What is draw near, draw near so you draw near God? Sometimes we do not even have the strength to draw near. Sometimes we like the desire and the enthusiasm we once had at one time. We would get up and all that would be on our minds is how do I please God? Sometimes now we wake up with just one thought, how do I feed myself today? Father God, I ask God that for each and every person who is having this who is in this season, God, that you would strengthen us, God. Amen. That you would encourage us, Father God. Amen. And for everyone in the dark season, God, be your light. Amen. For everyone that, that is going through a tunnel, looking for the light in it, God. We don't have to wait till the end of the tunnel to find light. We are where we are right now, God. Though it might be dark, but God, you are the, you are the light of the world. So, Father God, would you please give us the light that our heart needs right now? Amen. A glimmer of hope, God. Just a little glimmer of hope that we can cling on to, God. A little glimmer of hope that we can cling on to, God. As the winds are blowing, God. As the fire is happening, God. As the storms are, are, are raging, God. That we can cling on to that hope. That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. For any person who is listening to me right now and is going through a hard time, this is God's word to you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. Everybody say with me. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Come on, say with me. Be strong in the Lord and the power. Now say, I'm strong. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power. Come on, one more time. Come on. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. This week, when you go through hard times, I want you to confess that. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Father God, I declare that you're, you would be their strength, Father God. For it says in Philippians 4, it says, Behold, I can do all things through Christ, who is my might, who strengthens me. We can do all things that you've called us to because you are our strength. We thank you, Father God. We look to you for help, for grace, for life, for love, for hope, for peace, and for satisfaction. Because everything in this world is shifting, Everything in this world is shaken, but we have one person, the rock of ages, who never moves, remains faithful from the beginning of time till the end of it. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. May your name be praised. Amen. May your name be praised. Amen. Hey, church, let me just, uh, if there's anyone right now who needs prayer, listen, we are here, we are praying for you. You send us a text message, you reach out to us, we want to pray for you, we want to put you in our hearts and, and continue to pray for you right now. If you feel like you're in a season and you just need some people to pray for you, you don't feel like your strength is enough. Hey, listen, like Paul said, we are not abandoned. Prosecuted but not abandoned. You feel being, you're being pressed and you, you don't, we, this is not the time to fight it alone. Listen, whenever you go through hard times, if you try to be a lone warrior, the enemy, you are the enemy's fastest and first target. In times like this, don't go through tough seasons alone. Go through tough seasons with community in faith, in a community of faith, right? Don't just go around people who are who are just redundant and reluctant and just have this this lethargy towards anything in life. No, 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 no. Don't go through with hopeless people and hope to and hope to find hope at the end of the day. No, find, rather find people who have hope, who are going through their own seasons but are trusting God regardless. Because listen, hope rubs off. And if I'm around people, if I'm around a brother who has hope, if I'm around a sister who has hope, even if mine is going down, their hope strengthens my, it strengthens me. I can borrow their confidence. And when I feel down, they borrow my, when they, when, when they feel down rather, they borrow my confidence in other, in, 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 when that table's turned. So right now, when you join community, there is, 
the link right they go to linktr.ee for such global right and right there you find john community john community people would partner with you pray for you if you want to give your life to christ now is the best time best season in the world to do do it while you are still going through your heart fire going through that hot fire if you want to give your life to christ i want you to right now church we'll say this prayer together for whoever is making that decision in their minds right now to say yes to jesus they're not sure they even know the guy but they want to say yes to him because now is the moment of salvation today is the day of truth amen church we're together we say this prayer together for the benefit of those who are coming to christ today everybody say to me say with me together we say father Father, I thank you, I thank you for, your love for your love and your life. And your life. Thank you for not leaving me. Thank you for not deserting me. I do not deserve your love, your, your, life, your life, or attention. Or attention. But, today, God, but today, God, I turn, I turn my, eyes my eyes to Jesus, to Jesus your, son. your son. I turn, I turn my eyes to, to Jesus, Jesus, your son. And I say, and I say with his blood, Wash me clean. Make me clean. Make me yours. Make me holy as you are holy. Forgive me of my sins. And from today, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. For by his death and his resurrection on the cross and from the grave, it has availed to me the position of the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the right righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Come on, give God a big hand right now. Amen and amen. Hey, listen, if you just said that prayer, that is the best decision you've just made in your entire life. You've just gotten added strength. Everybody say added strength. That's that in my sermon, right? Added strength. I think that should be that's a great sermon title. Added strength. You've just gotten added strength to go through this season and every other season after that god is your strength is our help in times of trouble is our is our tower of strength where we find peace and security amen now if you that if you said a prayer right now i want you to send me a text right now send us a text on whatsapp that's plus two three four nine zero two three four three seven four one five i believe that's the number on whatsapp send us a text right now tell them tell us you got saved we send materials with you to grow your faith hey listen if you got if you just give you if you really just give your life to christ jesus do not be silent about it because remember i said it if you are silent about it if you try to play lone ranger you're the enemy's first and fastest target right it is easy to defeat a nation that is alone or a man that is all by himself right that illustration when we're in grade school like primary school and all that where they would bring out a, a stick of a broom and then a bunch of a broom a bunch and they say can you break this little stick and you're like yeah easy to break how about the bunch it's harder to break when you're in community right it's harder to be taken out by the enemy when you're in community because people are praying for you praying with you praying over you i'm praying alongside you amen now, if you're that person just send us a text right now god bless you we love you and we'll send materials of that will help you grow and build your faith in the name of jesus hey listen i love you so much god loves you even more god is our strength in times of trouble remember i am strong in the lord and in the power of his might go in this added strength the lord is your shepherd you shall not want any evil in the name of Jesus Christ.